0: Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and reading today from Let Your Kingdom Come, where we've just completed a survey of the entire scripture, whenever it has something to do with the kingdom of God. We're now looking at church history. We're in the 100s A.D., looking at the church fathers and seeing what they said about the kingdom of God. Did they change overnight? Let's look at it. Justin Martyr is among the most well-known of the early church fathers. He was born around 100 A.D. and not long after the death of the last apostle, John. His life is legendary and exemplary, but I quickly go to the comments that he has made on the subject at hand. Is there a kingdom of God in the thinking of the church fathers after the apostles were gone? This is from chapter 80 of his Dialogue with Trifo. He says, I and others, who are right-minded Christians on all points, are assured that there will be a resurrection of the dead and a thousand years in Jerusalem, which will then be built, adorned, and enlarged, as the prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah declare. Well, already... Many had departed from this belief, unfortunately, and Justin says, and many who belong to the pure and pious faith and are true Christians think otherwise. Elsewhere, he says, there was a certain man with us whose name was John, one of the apostles of Christ, who prophesied that those who believed in our Christ would dwell a thousand years in Jerusalem and that thereafter the general and, in short, the eternal resurrection and judgment of all men would likewise take place. But, sad to say, Justin opposed the Jews. An anti-Jewish tradition was already beginning in the Church. To that same trifle, a Jew, Justin suggests that Christians are the new Israelitic race. The original Jews are useless, he says, disobedient, faithless. With that view of Israel, it's clear why Israel's coming kingdom, headed by Israel's Messiah, will also be cast aside later in the church's thinking. But so far, Justin Martyr did indeed believe in a millennial reign of 1,000 years. Let's move on to Irenaeus. He was born when Justin was about 30 lived into the third century. He eventually became the Bishop of Lyon and was outspoken in his beliefs about the millennium. His fifth book of Against Heresies contains this millennial argument based on God's promise to Abraham. Listen to him. The promise, he says, remains steadfast. God promised him the inheritance of the land, yet Abraham did not receive it During all the time of his journey there. Accordingly, it must be that Abraham, together with his seed, that is, those who fear God and believe in him, will receive it at the resurrection of the just. In another place, the reference is to Jacob. The blessing to Jacob, says Irenaeus, belongs unquestionably to the times of the kingdom when the righteous will bear rule after their rising from the dead. It is also the time when the creation will bear fruit with an abundance of all kinds of food having been renovated and set free. And all of the animals will feed on the vegetation of the earth and they will be in perfect submission to man. And these things are borne witness to in the fourth book of the writings of Papias, he says, the hearer of John and a companion of Polycarp. Though he thus speaks, he and others began to squeeze Israel out of that kingdom, believing that all God's promises are for the church. That is, they believed in those Old Testament prophecies, but applied them to Christians. Basically, Israel was being disinherited. And before long, there would be no kingdom or millennium, first for them and then for anyone. You see how, how things have begun to go the wrong direction. They, they're Picking out portions of the word of God, just erasing this and erasing that. But the millennium is still intact. In the AD 100 still, the kingdom and Papias. With Papias and Polycarp being added to believers in this doctrine, we have named some of the most influential of the early church leaders, and they were all premillennialists. Here's Papius, quoted by the historian Eusebius, about things he gathered from unwritten traditions. I'm quoting from Ecclesiastical History, that book. Papias believed things that came to him from unwritten tradition and teachings of the Savior. Among these beliefs were that there will be a millennium after the resurrection of the dead, when the kingdom of Christ will be set up in material form on this earth. How about the kingdom and Barnabas? The epistle of Barnabas was not written by Paul's companion, Barnabas, at all, but one who identified himself as that man. This epistle holds to a circulating idea that the history of man would correspond to the six days of creation, 1,000 years for each day. Attend to the meaning, he says, of this expression, he finished in six days. This implieth that the Lord will finish all things in six thousand years, for a day is with him a thousand years. And he himself testifieth, saying, Behold, today will be as a thousand years. Therefore, my children, in six days, that is, in six thousand years, all things will be finished. And he rested on the seventh day. This meaneth, when his son... Coming again shall destroy the time of the wicked man and judge the ungodly and change the sun, S-U-N, and the moon and the stars. Then he shall truly rest on the seventh day. Also in the A.D. 100s, the kingdom and Tertullian. He was a contemporary of Justin and Irenaeus. Um, Well, let me talk first about a guy named Marcian. This man was opposed to using the entire Old Testament, so there go all the prophecies. And most of the new also. He was devoted to the Apostle Paul, yet he abandoned the teaching of the personal return of Christ. What did this man believe? He didn't believe in a real incarnation, so there could not be a a second coming. He obviously had no use for millennial reign. Marcion was the church's first great heretic. And yet many followed him, latched on to his system, which included that amillennial position. Tertullian, an author, theologian from Carthage, came against Marcion in a tract where, among other things, he defied Marcion's eschatology. Tertullian says we do confess that a kingdom is promised to us upon the earth, although before heaven only in another state of existence, inasmuch as it will be after the resurrection for a thousand years in the divinely built city of Jerusalem, let down from heaven. That's Tertullian. You've heard all of these names, I think. Perhaps this one you're not quite so familiar with, the kingdom and Melito, A.D. 177 from a book entitled The Voice of the Church on the Coming and Kingdom of the Redeemer or a History of the Doctrine of the Reign of Christ on Earth. Well, Melito was Bishop of Sardis. You've heard that name in what we used to call Asia Minor. He was born in Asia and was contemporary with Justin Martyr. He was Bishop of one of the apocalyptic churches and was so eloquent and deeply pious, that Tertullian affirms he was by most Christians considered a prophet. Polycrates says of him, he was in all things governed by the Holy Ghost. He made extracts from the scriptures respecting the Messianic prophecies and wrote a treatise on the Apocalypse and also made out a complete list of the canonical books of the Old Testament. But his works are not now extant. He was a Caelias, that is, a believer in a 1,000-year reign. In regard to his views of that period, he probably followed Papius, Jerome and Gennadius, both affirming that he was a declared millenarian. Even Neander admits that Polycarp, Papius, and Melito endeavored to maintain the pure and simple apostolic doctrine and defend it against corruption. Oh, Corruption. Do we understand that word in America? Yes, we do. And now you understand it in the church. Down through the years, things have happened. It's the A.D. 200s now, the kingdom and Lactantius. Lactantius was a rhetorician, an apologist, a historian who lived from 240 to 320. Here is his comment. The dead will rise again, not after a thousand years from their death but that when again restored to life they may reign with God a thousand years. Christ will deliver all nations into subjection to the righteous who are alive and will raise the righteous dead to eternal life and will himself reign with them on the earth and will build the holy city. And this kingdom of the righteous shall be for a thousand years. Then there's Methodius, the kingdom of and Methodius, A.D. 200. Actually, he died in 312. He was the bishop of Olympus and a serious critic of Origen's allegorical ways. He came up with the idea that perhaps all of history is divided into thousand-year periods. Actually, others had come up with that before. He says, For since in six days God made the heaven and the earth, and finished the whole world, and rested on the seventh day from all his works which he had made, and blessed the seventh day, and sanctified it, so by a figure, in the seventh month, when the fruits of the earth have been gathered in, we are commanded to keep the feast to the Lord, which signifies that when this world shall be terminated, at the seventh thousand years, in the seventh month, the great resurrection day, it is commanded that the feast of our tabernacles shall be celebrated to the Lord, of which the things said in Leviticus are symbols and figures. Amen. Then there's Commodianus. Commodianus in the AD 200s was a bishop from North Africa. Definitely, he believed in a literal millennium. He writes, They shall come also who overcame cruel martyrdom under Antichrist, they themselves live for the whole time and receive blessings because they have suffered evil things, and they themselves, marrying, beget for a thousand years. In the A.D. 200s, the kingdom and Hippolytus, one may have problems with the roundabout way that Hippolytus, the theologian and writer of Rome, came to his millennial view, but Most agree that he bought into the prevailing notion of his day that there would be indeed a 1,000-year period of kingdom at the end. He says, For the first appearance of our Lord in the flesh took place in Bethlehem under Augustus in the year 5,500, that's Jewish years, and he suffered in the 33rd year. And 6,000 years must needs be accomplished in order that the Sabbath may come, the rest, The Holy Day, on which God rested from all his works. For the Sabbath is the type and emblem of the future kingdom of the saints, when they shall reign with Christ, when he comes from heaven, as John says in his Apocalypse. For a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Since then, in in six days God made all things, it follows that six thousand years must be fulfilled, and they are not yet fulfilled, as John says, Five are fallen. One is that is the six, and the other is not yet come. Well, that reference, I believe, is to people, not years. Uh, but you have to agree that he was a premillennialist. And now we go to the 300s the kingdom and Augustine. A belief in a non literal millennium or no millennium at all gained wider acceptance after the days of Constantine, an age that coincides with the ever-growing influence of Augustine of Hippo, who lived and worked from 354 to 430 AD. The reason for his influence is not happy history. Uh, De Prost tells us that, quote, millenarianism remained a normative doctrine during the first four centuries of the Christian era, it was not overthrown until Augustine brought together the concepts of the church and the kingdom of Christ. A triumphant church now supersedes a need for a future millennium. According to Augustine, Christ's return signifies his dis- disclosure of himself And his deity to all humanity in such a way that all might partake of his glory to the degree that each individual's actions warrant. Ambrose, the mentor of Augustine, taught that the Jews were irrevocably perverse. Augustine began to write about such things, and his words against the Jews were very influential. This noted theologian lent his weight to a teaching that was practically becoming a given, a church doctrine. It wasn't always so with the bishop. Augustine's most famous work, The City of God, in that book he's quoted in book 20, chapter 7, as saying, Now the thousand years may be understood in two ways, so far as it occurs to me. Either these things happen in the sixth thousand of years or sixth millennium, the latter part of which is now passing and so on. That's that's what he believed, one of the things he believed about the millennium to begin with. By the way, may I stop here and say that, you know, when we came to 2000, the year 2000, a lot of people were thinking, this is it. People were still holding on to that 1,000-year thing. But, you know, if we use Jewish time as they did We've still got two or three hundred years to go before that particular teaching needs to take place. But I'm not setting dates, I promise you. Well, this was his original view, keeping with many biblical literalists. There would be 6,000 years of purely human history, followed by a golden age of 1,000 years. But his faith in such a future began to waver, perhaps because of the influences of others. Later he is quoted in a different vein where he says the kingdom of God was already manifest in the church. The age between Pentecost and the return of Christ was the very millennium itself. Marked by the ever-increasing influence of the church in overturning evil. Oh, that he could live today here and see the turn things have taken now. Even Spurgeon was concerned. Others have been concerned, those who are trying to believe that, yes, it's going to get better and better, and then Jesus, no, not at all. It's getting worse and worse, and that was predicted. So hence the blending of church and Israel, the present age with the Bible's future age. Oh, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Well, the trend was indeed changing as we talk about the kingdom in church history. In his letter to Diognetus, whose author is a matter of controversy, this second-century epistle labels Jewish laws as superstition and idolatrous. The canonical status of the Torah was ignored. Then there was origin of Alexandria teaching in the third century, who more successfully opposed the idea of a premillennial kingdom among generally accepted men of the church origin was the first to come against the 1000 years his approach to the matter was allegorical symbolic not only the millennium but the whole idea of a physical second coming was done away in origin He and the rising class of theologians who surrounded him simply stole Old Testament passages and applied them to Christians. He denigrated the Jews. He claimed that Bible statements are not all literally true. He said that the promises of God were unworthy of Israel. Anyone who needed proof of his claims need only look at Jerusalem's destruction. True Israel is the church, he said. Replacement Theology had arrived. Allegorical interpretation had arrived. Anti or a millennialism had arrived. In the same century was Cyprian, telling God's flock that the church now occupies the place that was once Israel's. Constantine, the Roman Emperor who freed slaves and favored Christianity had a clear influence also as Pontifex Maximus, the high priest, not only over pagan religions, but in his mind, over the church. This title stuck. and When the empire moved east, the title Pontifex Maximus was transferred to the reigning pope, Pope Damasus. Now the church had a high priest. The church had a set of lower priests. Holy days, an altar, a jubilee, a building divided into two parts, a system of salvation by works, tons of laws, and a host of other items borrowed from Judaism. Of course, Israel is now the church, and the church is the new Israel. Why not? That was the thinking. Constantine went so far as to change the date for Easter because it was based on Jewish calculations and the Jewish. Passover, And then there's the curious case of John Chrysostom, or some say John Chrysostom. Regarding the fact, he says, that they, the Jews, shall believe and be saved, Paul brings Isaiah to witness, who cries aloud and says, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. He says, If then this has been promised but never has yet happened, In their case, nor have they ever enjoyed the remission of sins, well, certainly it will come to pass. (laughs) Thank you, Chrysostom, however you pronounce your name. But John Chrysostom was vehemently anti-Semitic, saying that Jews were hated by God and cannot repent. And so the transformation continues. I have shown you the prophets, I've shown you the apostles, and I've shown you the first people leaders after that first century, 100% percent premillennial. 100% a thousand year reign. But suddenly it's not going that direction. Suddenly it's changing. And so did many other things that we can't go into. The church changed a lot, as you know, as it devolved into the church of the dark ages and the word of God was not studied by godly men anymore. There weren't too many godly men left and they just had to accept what the church fed them. Well, next time we'll talk about how these voices multiplied. We'll talk about the reformers and the millennium. And that's a sad story but not everybody during that time was a millennial. No. There was a premillennial thread that stayed alive and then we'll Talk about how it came back to life. Stay with us. These are important teachings. I do hope that you will come back and finish this thing. We're almost done. I only have two more, two more audios to share with you. Please come around. And This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.